Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's October 25th, 2021, and that means there's only two more months until Christmas. Today on the show, it's almost Halloween, so I've got a cowboy costume on and we're going to mosey back in time to see how they celebrated Christmas in the Old West. We'll also count down the top five musical Christmas moments at Saturday Night Live, give you a recipe for slow cooker mashed potatoes, and get your thoughts on what you'd have a professional baker make for you at Christmas in our latest season's musings. Okay, let's start the show! Welcome, Yule Believers. It's me, your host, Tim Babb, and can you feel those Christmas vibes in the air? The decorations are already in stores, Hallmark Channel has already switched over to Christmas movies, and both Target and Amazon have sent me Christmas toy catalogs. Tis the season, my friends. Once Halloween is out of the way, there is no stopping us. But I can't wait for Halloween to come and go. I need a little Christmas. Now! We need a... year is 2020 yum on the can't wait for christmas podcast which means every need a little christmas now tip this year will be a recipe for your pum tummy but this isn't the first time we've dedicated a whole year to food in 2019 we did the christmas bowl oh snap i almost forgot that jingle existed anyway we pit different christmas foods against each other in order to pick the ultimate christmas food one of the three finalists was mashed potatoes so i thought for today's recipe i'd teach you a new way to make this classic in a slow cooker this comes from countryliving.com and here's what you need four pounds of russet potatoes by the way this serves eight so you're making a lot of potatoes four cups of chicken stock half a teaspoon of kosher salt and you want to keep the shaker around because you need more for seasoning uh one cup of sour cream a third cup of sliced fresh chives, plus more for garnish. I personally would skip that part because I think chives are gross, but you do you. Half a cup of warm milk and freshly ground black pepper. All right, now we got to prepare this thing. First thing you need to do is take all those potatoes, peel them, and slice them into one-inch pieces. Put the potatoes, chicken stock, and salt in a covered four to five quart slow cooker and cook until the potatoes are tender now they'd say that's about high for two and a half to three hours or low for four to five hours so then you take that and drain it and then you put all the potatoes back in the slow cooker then you add the sour cream and you mash it till it's the consistency you like then they say to fold in the chives and warm milk and then they say that you can add more milk to loosen if desired. I'm not 100% what that means. I didn't think mashed potatoes were particularly tight and needed to be loosened, but, you know, that option is there on the table for you. Then you season with salt and pepper and serve warm, topped with more chives. Or again, if you're in the Bab household, nary a chive will be found. I'll put a link to this recipe in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now it's time for our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. Five 
last year on our October episode, I did a countdown of the top five Christmas sketches on Saturday Night Live, but I intentionally left out any music-centric Christmas moments because I wanted to put them on a list for another day. Well, I just checked my calendar and it turns out today is another day. So let's get our comedy music vibes going because live from the Christmas cave, it's Saturday Night! Season's greetings from all of us here at Saturday Night Live. Number five. Winter Wonderland. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? Is the land no existence? A beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. This one isn't particularly funny, but it gives maximum nostalgia vibes. This performance of Winter Wonderland is from the very first season of SNL back in 1975. Garrett Morris sings lead backed up by Gilda Radner, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, and that week's guest star, Candace Bergen. They do a pretty straightforward version of the song, no real jokes to speak of, other than they all seem to have dialed up their Christmas cheer to 11, but it represents what the show really felt like in the beginning. A bunch of funny, talented people having a good time. And it was especially rewarding to see them having a good time at Christmas. Number four. Something Claws. Everybody getting something. Everybody getting something. Everybody's been naughty. Everybody's got flaws. If you've been crossed on Santa's list, here comes something Claws. This comes from SNL's 40th season back in 2014. Keaton Thompson plays a new character, Something Claws. Basically, even if you've been naughty, something Claus still has something for you, specifically an envelope of cash. It's definitely an odd concept, especially when they go through the scenarios where people did something naughty and got knocked off Santa's nice list, including that week's guest host, Martin Freeman. But I'll be honest, the main thing I dig about this is that song just slaps. Am I right? I'm right. Number three. Dysfunctional Christmas Songs. Hit after dysfunctional hit. Songs like The Almost Perfect Christmas. Your brother yells at your mother, Christmas is ruined for everyone. Now we're going back to the era when I watched Saturday Night Live. I'm talking Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Mike Myers, Julia Sweeney, Dana Carvey, and Victoria Jackson. This sketch from season 16 is for a holiday album with songs about families not getting along at Christmas. While I can't really relate, since I've never been to a family Christmas party where everybody didn't pretty much get along, this is still a funny group of songs taking aim at the darker side of the holiday. Number two. Christmas morning, a.k.a. I got a robe. I got a hoverboard. I got a drone. I got a laptop. And I got a robe. Thanks for the robe. It's really, really nice. I love this robe, guys. This is great. So the first item on this list was from the very first SNL Christmas episode. This entry is from the most recent SNL Christmas episode. Former cast member Kristen Wiig had returned to host, and they did this rap where the family is showing off all the presents they opened Christmas morning. The dad and kids get a bevy of cool and expensive presents, but mom only gets one present, a robe. It's funny and not funny at the same time, because I know there was many a year that I felt I didn't get my mom nearly as good a present as she got me. Can you laugh and feel guilty at the same time? Your mom does everything for your family. This year, get her more than one present. Moms like stuff, too. Honorable mentions. That song about something in a box. Wow, you know it's Christmas, and my heart is open wide. Gonna give you something so you know what's on my mind. What's on my mind. 
Look, this is a family show, so I can't really talk about this song much, but I couldn't not mention it on this list. This Justin Timberlake and Adam Sandberg sketch from SNL's 32nd season was a viral sensation. And I'll just leave it there, and we'll move on to the next honorable mention, the Hanukkah song. You don't need deck the halls or jingle bell rock. Because you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah, the owner of the Seattle Supersonica. Celebrate Hanukkah. Oh, come on, this isn't even a Christmas song. I know, imaginary listener, that kind of sounds like Kermit the Frog, but I still felt it deserved an honorable mention. Explain yourself. Okay, not liking that tone, but this is a song that did exactly what it set out to do. Adam Sandler says right at the beginning that even though there are a ton of Christmas songs, there's not that many Hanukkah songs. So he made one, and it became a pop culture staple. Most radio stations play this in their Christmas music rotation. People always talk about how impressive it was that Mariah Carey got All I Want for Christmas You launched into the Christmas canon of songs that play every year, and it is impressive, no question, but it's nothing short of amazing that Adam Sandler was able to do this with a Hanukkah song. Well done, Adam. Number one. I wish it was Christmas today. I don't care what your mama says. Christmas time is near. I don't care what your daddy says. Christmas time is near. All I know is the Santa sleigh is making its way to the USA. This one goes back to season 26 of SNL and features Horatio Sands, Jimmy Fallon, Chris Catan, and Tracy Morgan. I'll be honest, when I first started compiling SNL Christmas sketches last year, I'd never heard of this, but it kept coming up in my research and it started growing on me. It's so straightforward and so weird at the same time. Like, it's pretty straightforward in that Horatio's just singing about how much she wants it to be Christmas right now. The lyrics aren't side-splittingly funny, but, you know, it's amusing, but is Chris Kattan just there to hold the giant Casio keyboard and look left and right for the whole song? Is Jimmy Fallon only using that giant keyboard to occasionally change the key on the pre-programmed music that they used to have on those keyboards? And what is that minimal effort dance that Tracy Morgan is doing? Is that all he's going to do for the whole song? The more I thought about how weird it was, the more I liked it. And I must not have been alone, because they performed the song multiple times over the years, bringing the whole gang back even when some or all of them were no longer cast members. Except one time, they could only get Horatio Sands, so Kermit, Fozzie, Gonzo, and Animal stepped in. So that put it over the top. Once you bring the Muppets in, this had to be my number one, because just like the song says, I wish it was Christmas in the good old U.S. of A. And that's my list. Any SNL musical Christmas moments I left out? Let me know about them. Send me an email at christmas at tancast.com or leave a comment at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now, as Christmas gets closer, it's time to check in on the latest Christmas bulletins and updates. Let's head over to the Christmas Cave news desk for our next segment, All I Want for Christmas is News. Baby, all I Give me that news, baby. Yeah, news. 
So the pandemic wasn't satisfied trying to ruin last Christmas. It's making trouble for Christmas again this year. You see, the global supply chain has been disrupted pretty badly for the last 19 months. We've got backlogs in the factories, backlogs in cargo ships, backlogs at the docks, and backlogs with the trucks. All this means there will be less gifts and decorations to buy this year. And what stuff is available will probably cost more than usual. Advice from retailers is to shop early, and based on my experience with Halloween decor, I'd agree. I was at a store on October 10th, and their shelves were pretty much picked clean. I imagine the Christmas stuff that's already started popping up is going to start to disappear fast, too. But if I may offer an alternative suggestion to shopping early, I'd like to suggest trying to do without this year. Do without Christmas? Are you crazy? No, 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 no. Are you crazy? You think I started a podcast about Christmas to tell people not to celebrate Christmas? Of course not. I'm saying do without some of the material things this year. You don't need another string of lights that's going to set you back more money than usual. Make do with the lights you have. And believe me, I know that's easier said than done. I went to Home Depot to get a new light bulb for my son's lava lamp, and I wanted to buy up every inflatable they had there. But honestly, I've got enough supplies to make things merry around here. I can wait another year to add to my collection. But that's just one guy's opinion. You do what's best for your family. Speaking of your family, if you have Disney+, Plus, your family will have more Christmas viewing options this year, as they are adding some glaringly missing Christmas films to the service in the next few weeks. Chief among them is the So Bad It's Good Arnold Schwarzenegger classic Jingle All the Way, as well as Ernest Saves Christmas, The Search for Santa Paws, Santa Buddies, and Ice Age, A Mammoth Christmas, and A Muppet's Christmas Letter to Santa, which I've never actually seen. So yay, new Muppet Christmas content for me. Side note, I know it's the wrong holiday for this show, but Muppets Haunted Mansion is great. You should check it out if you haven't already, especially if you're a fan of the ride. They really did a good job paying tribute to it. But back to Christmas. All these old movies will be joined by a new Christmas movie, the reboot slash sequel slash I'm not really sure what's going on of Home Alone called Home Sweet Home Alone. People seem to be pretty divided on this. Some are excited while some don't want to mess with the classic, but I'm optimistic. First of all, my boys love the Home Alone movies, but for some reason... Part 3 seems to be their current favorite, which is, I think, fair to say, not the strongest entry in the Home Alone series, but it shows that this formula clearly works on the target audience. Also, this new movie, Home Sweet Home Alone, has some great people in it, like Ashling B., Pete Holmes, Rob Delaney, Keen Thompson, and Ellie Kemper. I'll definitely give it a watch when it drops on Disney Plus on November 12th. And now a word from one of the other Christmas podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. It's Christmas! Hello, this is Adam from Merry Britsmas. I am a Christmas fanatic from the UK who thinks that the world needs to know more about the traditions, telly and music that helps make a British Christmas really festive. I look at everything from mince pies to Boxing Day to Wham to Slade to the Royal Family to Doctor Who. If you want to find out more about a British Christmas or you are British and want a hit of nostalgia, Check me out at Merry Britsmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. Welcome back. If there's one thing I love, it's Christmas. If there's two things I love, it's Christmas and Disneyland. If there's one thing I really, really love, it's Disneyland at Christmas. One of the highlights for me is Frontierland at Christmas time. The banjo music in the air, the holly and evergreens decorating the frontier shops, the sounds of your feet clomping on the wooden planks along the road. It really makes me think that it would be fun to spend a Christmas back in the Old West. Fortunately, a Christmas present I got myself last year was a model of the DeLorean from Back to the Future 3. I got it to put in front of the train that goes under our Christmas tree. But now, we can hop in together, go back in time, and see what Christmas was like back in the wild, wild west. Let's go! 
Did we make it? Are we here? Wait, let me ask this guy. Excuse me, buddy. Where are we right now? Perfect. We're here. Let's talk Christmas in the Old West. Now, when I talk about the Old West, we're talking about the American frontier between 1865 and 1890. It encompasses cattle drivers in the open plains, mining towns, and homes on the prairie. This was when American pioneers migrated across the continent. Now, I'm not going to dwell on how awful this was for the Native American people who had the misfortune to live on this land before the American settlers decided they were entitled to it, but I feel it would be grossly unfair to not at least acknowledge that fact up front. It's not really within the purview of this Christmas podcast, but it would be disingenuous of me to pretend that this warm, nostalgic trip we're taking through America's past contains good memories for everyone. Now, it's been said that the wild, wild west is like America's mythology. It's been romanticized in novels, comics, movies, and television. The old west conjures up images of twirling lassos, mysterious saloons, and blazing six-guns. But what about Christmas? Well, it wasn't so different back then from how we celebrate Christmas in America now. You see, the Civil War had just ended. The country was trying to come back together. And the same could be said for the celebration of Christmas. Before this, there was a group of people who celebrated Christmas as strictly a solemn and religious observance, and another group who celebrated it as a raucous time of merrymaking. But... Right around this time is when the celebration morphed into a celebration that was religious in origin, but also celebrated on partying with an emphasis on family and friends. But pioneers didn't have access to their extended families back east, nor all the conveniences of the larger cities. But that didn't squash their Christmas spirit. Tall in a saddle, spend Christmas Day, driving the cattle over snow-covered plains. So many gifts have been opened today. Ours is the sky, the wide open range. It's Christmas for cowboys and wide open plains. While there were provisions that could be purchased via catalogs or from the local trading post, most frontier families didn't have a lot of money. So basically they decorated their homes with what they could find. Boughs of evergreens, pine cones, holly, nuts, berries, and hand-cut snowflakes. Christmas trees were already a thing in America, so some Old West families put one up. But not as many as you might think for a couple of reasons. Remember, these weren't huge houses these folks were living in. These were modest homes with not a ton of space, so often there wasn't room for a tree. Or even if there was, oftentimes they couldn't spare the wood. It was winter, after all, and they needed that wood for heating and cooking. But the ones who did have a tree would decorate it with paper chains, old buttons, dolls carved out of wood or made from straw, and cut out pictures. One thing that I found out was that they not only made ornaments of gingerbread men, but also cookie dough. I would probably be super bad at that because I love me some cookie dough. I would eat those before they even got anywhere near the tree. Oh, and another Old West tree decorating fact, they would sometimes put candles in the tree, which I still can't believe was a thing anybody ever thought was a good idea. Let's put some fire in this dry, flammable tree we brought inside. Great idea, partner! Thank you to the imaginary listener that sounds like an old-timey prospector for helping us with this bit. You're welcome, dude! I'll be honest, I assumed I'd have a bigger part on this show. What with it being about the old West and all? Well, stick around. We might need you again. Yeehaw! Moving on to the Christmas feast. They would still do a Christmas dinner, but it looked a lot different in the Old West. Christmas dinner would consist of preserved fruits and vegetables and fresh game like venison if it was available. If they were really, really lucky, they'd be able to score a ham. It really depended if you lived in a fort or a larger town that was closer to the railroad. That was the main way to get food and supplies easily. But if you lived out in the rural areas, then the trek into town could take days. Plus, don't forget it's winter, so it would not be uncommon for a blizzard to make the journey there and or back even more harrowing. 
But if the journey to get the supplies seemed long, some of the food preparation time was even longer. A Christmas staple of the Old West was plum pudding, which I feel I might need to take a whole separate deep dive into in a future show. Apparently, it has no plums in it and needed to be made weeks ahead of time. The frontier folk would leave the pudding to age in the pot for weeks leading up to Christmas. Now, even though caroling was a relatively new idea, it makes sense that it was happening in the Old West. If you wanted Christmas music, there was no Spotify, there was no Pandora, there wasn't even radio. You couldn't just pop in your favorite Bing Crosby CD. You have to make the music yourself. Fortunately, some of the Christmas songs that have stood the test of time came out during this era. Up on the Housetop, What Child Is This?, A Little Town of Bethlehem, Away in a Manger, and Jolly Old St. Nicholas. Speaking of old St. Nick, we haven't mentioned one person who would come around to visit the Old West during Christmas. He's a rootin', tootin' Santa Claus, riding reindeer through the sky. With his spurs a-jingle jangling and his lasso swingin' high. Yes, Santa was already doing his thing in the days of the Old West, so he was out there visiting all those folks on the frontier. Why they haven't made a movie about a cowboy Santa, I'll never know. Everybody else has saved Christmas, why can't some cowpokes get together and save Santa Claus? One of the ways kids of the Old West got to read about Santa was in the Christmas issues of a monthly kids' magazine called, fittingly enough, St. Nicholas. But old St. Nick didn't bring the lavish gifts he brings these days. Back then, people got more practical gifts, even the kids. Common gifts were winter scarves, toothbrushes, and sometimes even medicine. But they'd also sometimes get things like candies, nuts, dried fruits, and maybe even a penny or a piece of gold if they were really lucky. Also, folks often made their own dolls out of wood or corn husks. The making of these gifts usually started well, well before Christmas, sometimes months before. Christmas Eve tended to be the time they'd exchange gifts and sing, while Christmas Day would be the day they attend church services and have the big feast. Of course, not every cowpoke was gathering with family on Christmas. The saloons also saw a fair bit of business during Christmas. One notable saloon celebration in Ruby Hill, Nevada lasted three days and was good enough to make the Eureka Daily Sentinel. You know you partied hard on Christmas when it's three days long and makes the paper. How about if they made a poem that became a country song based on your Christmas ball? Say what now? In 1885, there was a grand Christmas ball thrown at the Star Hotel in Aston, Texas. Turns out a big social event like this was exactly what the people needed in the isolated frontier region. It had folks a-grinning like a weasel in a henhouse. And word spread, and they held it again and again for the next four years, until the hotel burned down in 1890. But the tale lived on thanks to a city slicker from New York named William Lawrence Chitterton, who came to inspect his family's ranch and stayed at the Star Hotel and was invited to the party. He eventually became so enamored with the Wild West lifestyle that he moved Aston and wrote the poem The Cowboy's Christmas Ball in 1890. The poem was included in the 1910 book Cowboy Christmas Songs and Other Frontier Ballads and was even turned into a country song in 1985 by Michael Martin Murphy. And hang on to your hats and glasses because I shall now parformicate this poem for y'all as an appropriate finale to this look back at Christmas in the Wild West. Oh, that'd be great. Go for it. <laughs> Way out in western Texas, where the clear forks waters flow, where the cattle are browsing and the Spanish ponies grow, where the northerners come a-whistling from beyond the neutral strip, and the prairie dogs are sneezing as if they have the grip, where the coyotes come a-howling round the ranchers after dark, and the mockingbirds are singing to the lovely meadowlark. Where the possum and the badger and rattlesnakes abound, and the monstrous stars are winking o'er a wilderness profound, where lonesome tawny prairies melt into airy streams, while the double mountains slumber in heavenly kinds of dreams, where the antelope is a grazing and the lonely plovers call, it was there that I attended the Cowboys Christmas Ball. That was great. I ain't finished, partner. 
Wait, how much is there? Five more of these verses. Whoa, that's way too long. Well, how do you suggest we end this segment? Wiki wiki. What? Wiki wiki wiki. Has someone stole your rudder, partner? Wiki 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 wiki. Once upon a time in the West, we used to celebrate Christmas time in the West. Yeah, conditions on frontier weren't the best. We still made a merry little fest. Out of the saddle, stored all the cattle, teeth the chatter. Sing round a warm fire was our desire. Not in the cities where the extravagant live. Out in the West, we mostly got practical gifts. What that is? Food, tools, and stuff for your health. Not pricey baubles that would just sit on a shelf. Decorations hard to come by. We don't fear that. Got pine cones, nuts, and twigs. We gonna cheer that. We got the plum pudding. We'll be feasting off. We got a ham this year. We were champions. Understand me, son. It's Christmas on the range, and it's a little bit strange. And did I say it's Christmas on the range? Get in bed, cowpokes, that hombre Santa's coming He's got candy or something for you and your cousin It's a rootin' tootin' fest When it's Christmas time, back in the wild We're having Christmas In the wild, wild west We're having Christmas In the wild, wild west And now that we're safely back in the present, it's time to check in with you for some Seasons Musings. Seasons Musings coming through, can't wait to hear the thoughts sent in by you. All year, I'm asking you questions from this card game that my mom gave me last Christmas called the Christmas Chat Pack. I'm asking you to record your answers and send them in for us all to enjoy. Last time, I put this question to you. If a professional baker offered to make you one specific treat for Christmas, what would you choose? And man, did we get some great answers. Last time I had mentioned that the question I'd asked the previous time wasn't super popular and I didn't get many answers, but this week, a bunch of you guys set your voices in, so thank you so much. In fact, there were so many, I'm going to keep my commentary to a minimum and let you guys speak for yourselves, starting with Shaylee. Okay, so if I could hire a professional baker to bake something for Christmas, which would be awesome, then I would choose the Yule Log. Um, it's sometimes called bouche de Noël, and when I was first learning French, then I thought it translated into mouth, basically mouth of Christmas, <laughs> and that is actually what it is. It's so yummy. It has, a, like, delicate sponge and a complicated ganache and then meringue mushrooms, and it's beautiful, but if you don't do it right, then... I just have always found it really tricky. So that is definitely what I would choose. Thank you, Shaley. Now let's go to Gerald. Hi, this is Gerald from Marshall, Michigan. And thinking about um, if I had or if I were to have a professional chef prepare my favorite um, Christmas dessert, I would have to say it would be a pecan pie. Uh, the butteriness of it, the sweetness of it, the crunchiness of the uh, nuts. It's just a perfect holiday dish and a nice slice of warm pecan pie with a scoop of homemade vanilla bean ice cream. You can't ask for better than that. So that would be my favorite Um holiday dessert made by a professional chef, which I can cook myself, but to have a pro do it, you can't beat that. Thank you. 
Thank you, Gerald. Now let's hear from Jody. Hi, this is Jody calling in from New Orleans, and I was so excited to hear the question about baking because I go all out at Christmas baking and otherwise, and I have to say, kind of famous locally among my friends anyway for our annual prime rib and pajamas party that we have on Christmas Eve. So I, I have a ton of favorite Christmas things that I personally make. Uh, one of them, though, that I think would probably be lovely from a professional would be an orange trifle, um, orange and cranberry probably, but I'm open to whatever the baker would want to do because the trifle combines so many deliciousness and uh, uh, elements of pastry and custard and fruits and booze usually. So I think that'd be a phenomenal choice. However, honorable mention to, I have never made a traditional Christmas pudding, something that uh, would be steamed Definitely an old UK recipe would be something that I would really appreciate someone making for me so I could check it out and see what I think of it. Thanks. Keep up the great work, and I can't wait for Christmas. Awesome, Jody. Now let's hear from Benji. Hey, Tim. It's Benji Pearson here. My recipe would be something that I actually came up with two years ago. I call it the gingerbread fruitcake empanada. So it's uh, gingerbread dough that I fold in uh, fruitcake mix, or uh, it's really similar to what's the filling for mince pie. And so I would like that to be made by either Guy Fieri, uh, Mary Berry, or Paula Deen, because she would put so much extra good butter in there. This sounds so delicious. Anyway, that's my idea. Merry Christmas. Picking the chefs, Benji. Nice touch. Now let's hear from Chris. Hey, Tim. This is Chris Kringle from, no longer from Kringle Talks Football, but the newly formed Kringle Talks Christmas podcast. Yeah. The answer to your question for this time round, um, I reckon that's going to be one of about 500. But um, it's got to be the gingerbread man. I mean, nothing screams Christmas like a gingerbread man, right? And I love gingerbread. Uh, I love gingerbread cookies, houses, all of the gingerbread stuff that you can make. Get it in my belly. Um, yeah, that would be the answer to my question. As I, as I said before, the newly formed Kringle Talks Christmas podcast. Yeah. Take care, guys. And keep laughing all the way as well. See you later. Thank you, Chris. And congratulations on the new podcast. Now let's hear from Justin from Minnesota. Hey, Tim. Hello, fellow cant waiters. It's Justin from northern Minnesota, a.k.a. Gern Blanston, Action 9 News. Uh, I can't believe it's taken me until October to answer a season's musings question, but uh, this this one I had to answer. What sweet treat would I like made for me by a professional baker? I I hope it's not a cliche answer. Uh, I, I suspect maybe a lot of people would like this, but you ever watch those... Hallmark movies, and they make those Boucher de Noels or the Yule Logs, and they just look amazingly fantastic. Yeah, that's what I would like. A real Boucher de Noel or Yule Log or whatever you call them. Professionally made? Boy, that sounds like it would hit the spot. All right, thanks, everybody. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving and a great Christmas season. Don't worry, Justin. Just because the first person also picked the Yule Log doesn't mean it's a cliche answer. Uh, Let's hear from Laura. Hi, Tim. If I had a professional baker making me something for Christmas, 
I would love a bush de Noel or Yule log with some meringue kisses on the side. It'd be absolutely divine. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to all. Okay, just because three people have picked the Yule log doesn't mean it's a cliche answer. I mean, what are the odds the next person is also going to pick a Yule log? Hey, Tim and fellow waiters. Love the question this month. I hadn't thought about it before, but the moment you asked about a professional baker making me a Christmas treat, an answer sprang immediately to mind. And what I thought of was the French, pardon my French, bouche de Noël, which is basically a Yule log cake or a cake that looks like a log. I have tried to make it in the past at least three times, and I was very pleased with the results once-ish. But I thought if I could get a professional baker to make me one, that would be great with all the trimmings, including the little marzipan mushrooms. And while it's not exactly part of the question, what would really be great is if not only could a professional baker make me one, but they would allow me to watch. All right, well, keep up the good work, Tim, and happy Christmas. Okay, so four people have picked a Yule log, but I think it's less a cliche and more a weird Venn diagram that we've discovered that there's a huge overlap of people who did voice work for last year's made-for-podcast Christmas movie A Bomb for Christmas and people who like the Yule log. I thought you said you were going to keep your responses to a minimum. You're right, I'm taking up too much time. Let's go to Monica. Hello, Tim and fellow waiters. Well, if a professional baker would generously offer to make me one specific treat for Christmas, I would have to choose the chocolate crinkle cookies. This was a really difficult question for me to answer because I love so many Christmas treats, and the gingerbread man is one of those treats that I would happily accept from any professional baker. Um, And I would also accept the ube-flavored crinkle cookies because they're equally delicious. But if you look at the chocolate Christmas cookies, it's basically like winter and warmth and Christmas in a dessert. And a lot of desserts are like this, but the chocolate Christmas, oh, chocolate crinkle cookie um, is especially inviting. Thank you, Monica. And now let's hear from Jeff. Hello, Tim and fellow waiters. This is Jeff from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And to answer the question, if I had a professional baker who could make me one specific thing for Christmas, that's easy. It would be crinkle cookies. Now, maybe they're a regional thing, and people in my area just aren't aware of them, but I know next to nobody who has ever had Kringle cookies before. I've even had a friend of mine accuse me of inventing them. But outside of family and only a few select friends, most people I know have never had them, have never seen them, and are completely missing out on my favorite Christmas-themed cookie. They're also just my favorite cookie in general. For anyone who doesn't know, just in case they are more rare than I thought they were, they're basically a brownie-like texture chocolate cookie coated in powdered sugar. I know it doesn't sound like much, but I'm sure someone who's a professional baker, someone who's significantly better than I am at baking cookies, I bet they would be absolutely incredible. Also, Tim, I want to apologize. Uh, You were complaining that your last question didn't go over so well, and meanwhile, I had an answer recorded, and it's still sitting in my emails in my drafts. I I apologize. That That one's wholly on me. Hey, Jeff. No need to apologize. Benji from earlier mentioned when he emailed me that he thought singing was a requirement last month, so I think the problem was me not communicating well. Okay, now let's hear from Justin. 
We already heard from Justin. No, we heard from Justin from Minnesota. Now we're going to hear from Justin from Nashville. Hey again, fellow Yule Believers and Waiters. It's Justin from Nashville. And Tim, I fully agree with you on this month's question. When it comes to Christmas treats, nothing, and I mean nothing, beats a freshly baked gingerbread man straight out of the oven. Thank you, Justin from Nashville. Now let's hear from Mark. So I can have a professional baker make me any kind of Christmas treat? Hmm. That's actually easy. Figgy pudding, Tim. Figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. And bring it out here. We've been making this stuff in our family at Christmas time for the last five years. And the reason it'd be great to have a professional make it is, one, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> it's worth it, but it takes a lot of time. But number two, I don't really know what it's supposed to taste like. I know what my figgy pudding tastes like, and it's really good. But if a professional made it, it might taste so much better. Oh, wait. That'd be all the more reason not to have a professional make it because then every time I made it going forward, I would just feel bad about myself. So scratch everything I just said about figgy pudding, Tim. All right, and I've saved these two for last because the question was about what would you have a professional baker make you? Well, these last two are professional bakers, starting with Ferg. Hello, Tim, and all the Yule Believers out there listening. My name is Ferg. I'm from Delaware, and I am a professional baker. I've been a professional baker for many, many years, and my dad was a baker before me. And when I was growing up, he worked in a lot of German bakeries. So he brought home a lot of uh, German baked goods, especially around Christmas time. And I think the my favorite thing that he brought home was stolen bread. If you don't know, it's a very rich bread with uh, butter and eggs and a lot of diced fruit that nobody likes. Sometimes it has marzipan or almond filling in it. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's pretty expensive if you get it in an actual bakery because it takes a long time to make and the ingredients are very expensive. But I'm happy to have a professional baker make it for me, and I'm happy to pay whatever price they're charging for it, as well as I enjoy making it for myself. It's probably one of my favorite things that I make. Uh, I have a set recipe that I use. It's kind of an adaptation of a joy of cooking recipe, and I make it every year. I make it for friends and family. I make multiple loaves every year. Uh, I used to make it at work, but I don't anymore, unfortunately. Uh, maybe I'll have some time to make it this year. I'm, I'm hoping so. Because it's uh, part of the Christmas that I enjoy the most is baking for people. Cookies, I bake a lot of cookies. I uh, bake stolen, like I said. And I enjoy giving those away to people and watching them enjoy them. If the postal system wasn't such garbage right now, I would love to just bake cookies all day and send them out to people. If I could make money doing that, I probably couldn't do that, though. But anyway, uh, Tim, thank you very much for the show. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you, Ferg. And now, not only is this next person a professional baker, but he's also a Christmas expert and hosts the Seasons Eatings podcast. Let's hear from Glenn. Hey, Tim, it's Glenn from the Seasons Eatings podcast. As a professional baker, I've literally made thousands of cookies for the holidays. And the cookie that I would want someone to give me during the holidays is the sugar cookie. It's a simple to make, easy cookie but it's also easy to screw up. Most people get impatient and they don't cream the butter and sugar long enough, which can result in a grainy, coarse cookie. Also, people tend to overbake the cookie, waiting till it's brown around the edges, resulting in a cookie that's crumbly and tough. That being said, 
It's completely versatile. You can add icing or chips or any decoration you want on top, or you can just have it plain, or you can fill it with chopped nuts or dried fruit or even chocolate chips. It's the perfect cookie for the Christmas season. See what I mean? What a great group of answers. Also, is anyone else super hungry right now? Thank you to all of you for taking the time to share these with us. And I'm going to give you another chance to share with us right now with this month's question. What makes a really special gift for you? I mean, I know I just said it, but I didn't think of it. And this is a really good question. Like, what makes the gift special? Is it who gives it? Is it the reason they give it? Is it thought they put into it? Is it how much you end up holding on to it years later? Or is it just some other mythical X factor? You tell me. What makes a gift really special to you? Record yourself on your phone or your laptop or whatever you want to use to record yourself and send the file to me at christmas at tancast.com. What was that? Christmas at tancast.com. Somebody mentioned that it is hard to remember the email address when I talk about it on the show, but if you go to our Facebook page, you can just click on email this podcast and you can send an email to us that way. As always, if you'd like to get this deck I'm using to get these topics for this segment, there's a link in the show notes so you can grab your own Christmas chat pack. And the jingle for this segment featured Deck the Halls by Kevin McLeod, which was used under Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution License. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. And as a special surprise, I'll be back next week. You heard that right, not next month, next week. You see, a bunch of us in the Christmas podcast community have arbitrarily decided that November 1st should be hashtag Christmas podcast day. So some of us are releasing bonus episodes that day, and this show is no exception. We'll actually be doing a special edition of Seasons Musing, an all-Christmas podcasters edition. So look for that in your feed on November 1st. But I'm not stopping there. I'm bringing hashtag Christmas podcast day to non-Christmas podcasts, specifically the Nostalgia podcast. I'll be joining Dave, Jeff, and Kristen for a discussion about Christmas music in the Disney parks. That drops on November 1st as well. So follow the hashtag Christmas podcast day on your social media of choice on November 1st to kick off the holiday season podcast style. Then, of course, come back again on November 25th, Thanksgiving Day, for our regularly scheduled November episode. I don't want to give too much away, but I will say that I've reached out to a very popular media personality, and they haven't told me no. They haven't told you anything! Quiet, you! Okay, we're out of here. Don't forget to send in your season's musings, have a happy Halloween, and enjoy us the day after Halloween for hashtag Christmas Podcast Day. Until then, you believers, keep laughing all the way. <laughs> And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2021. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. 
We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! This comes from countryliving.com, and here's what you need. You need four pounds? Four pounds of Russian potatoes? That can't be right. That's a lot of potatoes. Who am I making this for? Where is it? 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 I'm just double checking the recipe. A lot of old West tabs on my browser, and I can't find the one thing I'm looking for. There it is. Best slow cooker mashed potatoes. Four pounds of russet potatoes. That is nuts. Four pounds. Apparently you're going to make a lot of potatoes. So hope you have friends. Live from the Christmas cave. It's Saturday night. It's actually Sunday afternoon. Just in case you were wondering. We've got backlogs in factories, backlogs in cargo ships, backlogs at the docks, and backlogs with... (laughs) Backlogs in my throat when I try and read this. No, no. But the tale lived on thanks to a city slicker from New York, William Lawrence Kitchen. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't know how to pronounce this, partner. Well, take a closer look at it. I'm looking at it. There's letters. I don't know how to put them together to make a sound. Well, we're in trouble. Oh, no. The poem was included in the 1910 book Cowboy Songs and Other Frontier Ballads and was even turned into a country song in 1885. Nope. And was even turned into a country song in 18... Nope. 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 Hi, uh, this is not an outtake, and I'm sorry, I know the show is running long and should be over by now, but between recording this episode and editing this episode, we got informed that we were chosen among the podcasts uh, of the best Christmas podcasts of 2021 by MyMerryChristmas.com. We were picked as the Christmas community choice. So that means people who love Christmas actually reached out and said, we like your podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you for liking the podcast. I will endeavor to make it something you want to keep listening to. But I just have to say thank you. Thank you!